you would open up your Bibles to, not the passages on the screen, but to Ephesians chapter 1. This lesson here, we started last week, and we didn't have time to finish finish all this, so we're going to pick up where we left off last week and finish what we've talked about. So instead of starting where we started last week in 2 Corinthians 5, I want to start in Ephesians chapter 1. But this idea of the Spirit being given as a pledge and what that means, that it's important, I believe, to understand what Paul is talking about in these passages, whether 2 Corinthians 5 or Ephesians chapter 1, because this provides us a basis for the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that we have of eternal life, that this has been this has been done for us. The Spirit has been given as a pledge to help assure us that we can believe in God and believe in His promises and that hope that He has, or that promise of eternal life that He has given to us. So I want to start this morning by reading these verses in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, where it says, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. Here in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, Paul is talking about all the different spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. He talks about the fellowship that we have with God, the redemption that we have, the forgiveness of our sins. And here now he is in verses 13 and 14, he talks about us being sealed with the Spirit, sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, and that the Holy Spirit has been given as a pledge of our inheritance. So this is what we, the idea we talked about last week. Again, we looked at 2 Corinthians 5 on this point. Because it talks about the house that we have, a building not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The Holy Spirit was given as a pledge of that reward that God has promised to us. So just as a review, we won't take time to go through all these in detail. This is just a reminder of what we've talked about last week. But when we read this about the Holy Spirit being given as a pledge, what is he talking about? This is the idea of a down payment that is given, that if you purchase a house. And again, that passage in 2 Corinthians 5 talks about the house that we have from God, a house not made with hands that is eternal in the heavens, that it's the idea of putting a down payment on this. That when we purchase a house, generally speaking, we're not paying for the full amount in cash. We put down a down payment that secures it for us, and then it that down payment brings with it a promise that we are going to make the full payment on that home in in its proper time. And some translations actually use the word down payment or guarantee of this. We noticed last week there was one translation, the New American Bible, that used the word first installment as a translation of this. The Holy Spirit is given for this, that God prepared us for this purpose, as we saw in 2 Corinthians 5, that He's made a house for us in heaven. He's made a home for us in heaven. That this is what He's made. This is what He's prepared. And this is an eternal home. It's not like we might put a down payment on a home and we're going to live there for 5 years, 10 years, maybe even 50 years. But then that's going to be it. This is an eternal home in heaven. We saw last week in John chapter 14 that Jesus promised His disciples that He was going to prepare a place for them. 
and then the Holy Spirit is given as a pledge of this and, and the interesting part of this as you look at the you think about the parallel or the similarity between this and we put down a down payment on a house today well when we are putting down a down payment on a house we are the ones who are paying that down payment here God is the one who's providing this down payment God is the one who is who is doing this and it's a sign for us it's a guarantee for us that we can trust God and we can trust what he has promised the Holy Spirit is given for this purpose so then last week what we also talked about and again we'll go just over these briefly just as a review because this is also going to come in to the end of our lesson today all of these points here because this this has direct application for us but how is the Holy Spirit given? If we want to define that by the way the Scriptures define it, by the way that the New Testament describes it, the passage that was just read for us in the Scripture reading from Acts chapter 2, we had the promise there that Peter said, the ones on the day of Pentecost, when they asked, what do we need to do? He told them, repent and be baptized so that you can have forgiveness of your sins. And he says, then you receive something with that. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about what that meant with the prophecies that Peter quoted from in that sermon about how Jesus would sit on the throne with God and that passage in Psalm 132 includes not only Jesus being on the throne, but his people also with him. He said, this is the promise. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, as many as your Lord or God will call to himself that we can have fellowship with God because our sins are washed away and our sins are what separate us from God. Our sins are washed away now that we now we can have fellowship with God because that barrier that kept us from being in fellowship with Him, that's now been removed. So you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when you are forgiven of your sins. So He says, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins and then when that happens, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You receive this fellowship with God. Again, think of this as the, as the down payment, that we are looking forward to that eternal home where we will be with God in heaven for eternity. Well, the first installment of that is, well, I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you will have this, and you will have that fellowship with God. And we talked about also last week, when we think about the the Holy Spirit being given as a pledge, how the Holy Spirit is given, we have to remember how this is connected to the work of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, that the role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the will of God, that the Holy Spirit was given for that purpose. Over in John chapter 16, and it's not on the screen here, but, but it also makes this point of what we talked about last week. But John chapter 16, when Jesus was talking to his apostles, he said in verse 13 that when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will disclose to you what is to come. He told the apostles, I'm going to give you, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He's going to guide you into all the truth. In that passage that we looked at last week in 1 Corinthians 2, 
Paul is saying that we have received this, that now the mysteries of God have been revealed. The Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God, so we can know the things that are freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit has been given so that we can know God's will. We can know what He wants us to know, what He wants us to do, how He wants us to live. He's been given for that purpose. We saw also last week, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16, that the Holy Spirit dwells in the church. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is where we come together to approach God, to worship Him. We know that we can worship God and praise Him at other times, even when we don't come together with the church. But as far as the church coming together, this is the place where as we gather together, we're all here, this is for this purpose. It's to honor God and to glorify God and to, and to serve Him and to worship Him. But the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 says, dwells in the church. We can be part of that church. Again, going back to Acts chapter 2, you think about what happened there on the day of Pentecost. Peter said that you repent and are baptized, you receive the remission of sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the promises to you and your children, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Well, the end of that chapter said that those who received this word and they obeyed the gospel, God was adding to the number day by day those who were being saved. They were part of this church. They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're part of the church. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we saw how the Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us. That passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, as we go ahead and read that this morning, as we have that in our minds, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul said, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Again, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, but you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. It says, The Holy Spirit who is in you. And some people wonder, well, what exactly does that mean? What is there some type of feeling that we have or... This, this sense that we have that the Holy Spirit is in us, this is not about a feeling that we have. That we feel a certain way and so we feel that the Holy Spirit is in us. That's not what, what this passage or, or others are talking about. Again, this, it's this understanding that Peter explained on the day of Pentecost. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have fellowship with God now. And now having fellowship with God... Your body itself is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. That God is with you. God has fellowship with you through the Holy Spirit who's been given as a pledge. So now you are to live in such a way that you glorify God in your body. You do not belong to yourself. You belong to God now. You've been redeemed from your sins. And so you are to glorify God in your body. The Holy Spirit there is, is the, the pledge that has been given... We are, our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, so we live a certain way. So the Holy Spirit is has been given as a pledge. Well, we continue on in the lesson then, which is, so picking up now where we left off, what we've covered so far is just what we talked about last week as review. But as we think about all of these things, how the Holy Spirit is given, what God's purpose was in this, how do we receive this pledge? The pledge that God has offered to us the promise of eternal life this down payment or this guarantee how do we receive this well again 
The passage that we read at the beginning of the lesson, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul helps explain that. How is it that we receive this pledge? Again, those verses say that in Him, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. We want to receive this down payment, this, this promise from God that we have hope of eternal life. How do we receive this? Well, he mentions there first, we hear the gospel. It says, you listened to the message of truth. You've listened to the gospel. And again, going back to Acts chapter 2, what did they do? When they asked the question, well, what do we need to do? They were told, repent and be baptized. you receive the forgiveness of your sins. you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What happened before that? Before that, they were listening to the message of truth. They were listening to the gospel. The gospel was preached for the first time in its fullness on the day of Pentecost. Because that was after Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, had ascended to heaven. And now the apostles on the day of Pentecost began preaching this message where, Paul, where Peter was saying that all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That he was crucified, he was raised from the dead, he is now at the right hand of God. That was the message in that first gospel sermon. Jesus died, he was crucified, he was raised from the dead, he's at the right hand of God. They heard that message. We have to hear the message of the gospel. Romans 1.16 tells us the gospel is the power of God for salvation. If we want to be saved, again, this is all connected. This is what we're talking about here. Receiving the Spirit as a pledge, that's not separate from salvation. That's all tied together. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And again, what we talked about last week, and just briefly this week, about the role of the Holy Spirit that He was given in order to reveal God's will to us. The Spirit will guide you into all the truth, the apostles were told. Well, Romans 10 and verse 17 tells us that faith, we understand the importance of faith, how we need to have faith in order to be saved. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How do we know what God's Word is? Well, the Spirit revealed it to us. We have it recorded for us in the Scriptures. The Spirit revealed those to us. And that's how we are able to have faith. That is how we are able to be saved. Because we know the Gospel that's been revealed to us. We hear it. That's going to be the first step. We have to be willing to listen to what the Word of God teaches. We have to hear the Gospel. Then he says in Acts or Ephesians 1 and verse 13, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, he said, then you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we have to believe this. But when we look at that word believe, we have to understand what he's talking about here. You think about they were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. When did Peter say, they were going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was after they obeyed the gospel. Now, why does Paul then say that after you've believed this and not after you have obeyed this? 
Well, that shows us what he means by belief. That sometimes in the New Testament, when it talks about belief or talks about faith, sometimes it is just referring to that mental acknowledgement, that you, the understanding that you have that this is true, that this is real, that this is what I believe. Sometimes it's used in the sense of this is a comprehensive belief that is not just I understand this, but I am putting this into practice. I'm obeying this. That's how Paul is using this here. We know that has to be the case because of what we see in Acts chapter 2. They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit after they repent and are baptized. They believed, of course, because they asked, brethren, what do we need to do? They believed. That's why they asked the question. So then they were told, you have to repent to be baptized to have your sins washed away and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when Paul says here, having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You recognize Jesus as Lord, which, again, you go back to Luke chapter 16, or excuse me, Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. This is, when we think about believing Jesus, that you believe Him. Well, if you believe Him, that's going to inform what you do or shape what you do. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That if we say we're going to believe in Jesus, but, well, I don't want to do what, he's, what he says. I don't want to follow what he's taught. I just, I believe in him. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he was raised from the dead, but I don't want to do anything. I don't, I don't want to, to follow what he taught. Well, Jesus says here, well, how can you call me Lord? if you don't even do what I say to do. And on that point, you can look over in James chapter 2. In James chapter 2, again, this reinforces this idea that this is not just a mental acknowledgement of who God is or who Jesus is or what the facts of the gospel. This is more than that. Because you look at James chapter 2 and verse 19, James says, you believe that God is one, you do well. So it's good that you believe. But then he also says in, at the end of verse 19 of James 2, he says, the demons also believe and shudder. Satan knows who God is. The demons know who Jesus is. Well, are they, have they been saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit and have the hope of eternal life? No, that's, again, Paul, when he says that Having believed, he's using this in the comprehensive sense. The demons, they recognize who God is. They recognize who Jesus is. But they don't follow him. They don't do his will. Verse 26 of James 2 says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. That faith is more than just, I acknowledge this. This is, I live according to this. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to practice. So, when back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, how do we receive the Holy Spirit as a pledge? You listen to the message of truth. You listen to the gospel, the word that the Spirit has revealed. And you also believe, not just acknowledge this, but again, going back to Acts chapter 2, you obey what was said. You faithfully obey what is what is said in the scriptures, what is required of us. And we are sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And again, we can follow the example of what happened on the day of Pentecost. You go back there to Acts chapter 2. We've you know mentioned this, we've read from it already before the lesson in the scripture reading. But again, you look at that passage and you see what what is involved in this. This was the first time the gospel was preached on the day of Pentecost. We might ask the same question that they did once we acknowledge, well, Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He was crucified. God has made him both Lord and Christ. He's raised him from the dead. And we might ask the question, the same one that they did in verse 37, Brethren, what shall we do? Do we follow the example of the ones here in the day of Pentecost? What Peter said? Or do we listen to the answers that so many people in the religious world today will give? If you ask a, a preacher out in the, out in the world, diff, these different churches, you recognize, oh, I, I believe that Jesus is Lord and Christ. So, the, the verse 36, I believe that that's true. And so, you ask the preacher, well, what, what do I need to do? What is that preacher, pastor, minister, whatever he's called, what is he going to tell you? Well, you don't have to do anything. Just, just accept Jesus. Just invite him into your heart. Just acknowledge your faith. Just commit your life to Jesus. Just whatever, you know, they'll, they'll use different words, but they'll have different answers that they give. What was the answer that Peter gave? Peter, who was the inspired apostle, said, Repent, and each of you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There are not many religious teachers out there who will answer the same answer that Peter gave there when they're asked that question. But they were given that answer. And it said, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself, which includes us today. Same promise. And the same response needs to be given. Verse 41, those who received his word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. Implied in that was that they also repented. That's what he told them to do in verse 38. So they believed in verse 37 because they said, well, what do we need to do? They were told to repent and be baptized. Verse 41, they did that. In verse 47, God was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That promise is for was for them, it was for their children, and it's for us today. As many as the Lord our God will call to Himself. And over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we think about, well, how is God going to call us to Him? 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14 says it was for this He called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. How does God call us today? Well, it's through the gospel. The gospel is preached, and we are called to Him through that, just as they were on the day of Pentecost. He calls us to them. The promise was for them. The promise is for us. And we can be sealed with the Holy Spirit, receive that pledge from God, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, simply by doing the same thing that they did on the day of Pentecost. So, what is the result of receiving the Spirit as a pledge? Again, this goes back or corresponds to what we saw 
last week, and we reviewed quickly this week, about how the Holy Spirit is given. All the points there line up to these points here. What is the result of receiving the Spirit as a pledge? Well, we enjoy fellowship with God. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we can be with Him as Jesus is seated on His throne. We can be seated with Him. And we are not there in heaven with Him yet, but we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as the down payment of that, as the foreshadowing of that, as the first installment. We enjoy fellowship with God. As we receive the Holy Spirit, we are also guided by the Word of God that has been revealed by the Spirit. And this is going to take us making time to study the Word of God and to understand what has been given in it. But God's Word, Psalm 119, verse 105, says is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The first Corinthians 2, as we studied last week, talked about how the Holy Spirit revealed these things from God, revealed the mystery of God. Now we have it in words that we can read from, that we can understand. The Holy Spirit's been given so that we can know what is truth, so we can know what is required of us. What we know what we can do to please God. So we are we are guided by the Word of God since the Holy Spirit has been given to us. We also can be part of the Lord's church. Again, the Lord is adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. And the Spirit dwells in the church. The church is the temple of God as we saw in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. We can be part of the Lord's church. We can work together in His church as we all are as we have fellowship with God, and this is a sign of that, we have fellowship with one another as well. We talked about that a little bit in our Bible class this morning, how we have fellowship with one another. We are working together as we've received the Spirit as a pledge. Well, now we are part of the church. Now we work together. The Spirit dwells there in the church, and we glorify God as His people. We talked about last week and also a little bit this week, our body is a temple of the Spirit. We glorify God in our bodies. We glorify Him as His people. And so those who obey the gospel, those who become Christians, are added to the church, receive the Spirit as a pledge. So we can look at ourselves and see, well, am I living in the way that reflects that? We can look over in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. There's a contrast that Paul makes here between one group of people and another group of people based upon what they do which is based upon what has influenced them. Ephesians 5 and verse 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He's talked about two things that influence us. A lot of times we talk about with alcohol people being under the influence, they're driving under the influence or whatever. Alcohol affects the way that we think. It affects our behavior. And the more people drink, the more they get drunk, then that the more out of control they are of their own behavior and their own thoughts and their own speech and all that, that it the alcohol then affects what they do and what they say and how they behave. Well, in the same way, but in a positive way, the Spirit affects what we do and how we behave and what we say. So Paul says here, don't be drunk with wine, but it said be filled with the Spirit. Don't allow this to influence you, but instead be influenced by 
the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. Are we living in such a way that we can say that we are being influenced by the Spirit? Well, do we enjoy fellowship with God? Are we being guided by His Word? Are we spending time with the Word of God? Are we studying the Scriptures and learning from them? Are we working together with the church, with the local church, and being part of that and worshiping together and doing those things? Are we living our daily lives in a way that reflects God and His will or in a way that reflects what the world does? We receive the Spirit as a pledge, and that should affect what we do, how we think, how we speak, and all of those things. But this has been given, as we think about the Spirit being given as a pledge, this has been given as a down payment or as a promise from God or to secure that promise that we have that eternal home in heaven. Jesus says that He has gone to prepare a place for us and the Holy Spirit was given as a, in a sense, a down payment for that. It's been given that we can have fellowship with God that we can, we can look at to His Word and receive guidance as far, as far as what we are to do in our lives. We can be part of His church, so we have a place that we belong there. And we have a direction that we are to go in this life. So we can be confident of our hope in heaven. But we need to make sure that we live in such a way that we continue to please God. God has done all this that is necessary. He's given His Spirit as a pledge, but we can turn our back from Him and decide, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to live in that way. And if that's the case, if we've become Christians and we've made the decision, well, I'm you know, drifting from that or I'm going to turn my back on that, we need to turn back and follow the Lord again and follow the direction of His Spirit as it is shown to us in His Word. We need to follow His will. And so if you are a Christian that hasn't been doing that and needs to make correction, we would encourage you to do that this morning. You can pray to God and ask Him for forgiveness, and then He will forgive you of those things, and you can, once again, enjoy fellowship with Him and hope of eternal life. But if you haven't obeyed the gospel, then we would encourage you to do not anything that we've come up with. We talked about, you know, you might ask different people, different preachers, well, what would I need to do to be saved? And they might give all sorts of different answers. We don't want to give you our answer. We want to give you the answer that we can read about in the Scriptures that the Apostle Peter gave. To repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If that's what you need to do this morning and you need to obey the Gospel, we can help you do that and, and do that today. But if you're subject to the invitation in any way, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.